0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics.
1: Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host Brandon Adams. So we know that Kirby Smart has said in the offseason kind of leading into the start of this year that his number one concern for Georgia was complacency battling against the idea that Georgia just wouldn't be as focused and motivated as it could possibly be for each of the games it played. Smart has said that plenty over and over and over again and as Georgia gets ready to begin SEC play on Saturday you're led to believe that Smart's going to pull out all the stops to make sure Georgia absolutely is as focused as it can be. The Georgia fans in the stadium are absolutely as focused as they can be there as well. That's what the Tonka Hemingway stuff has seemingly been about this week. We've kind of laughed about this, that Hemingway at SEC media days, what he said about Georgia wasn't He didn't say anything about Georgia, right? He was asked a question of, hey, what are the best environments in the SEC? Hemingway mentioned a couple. Georgia wasn't one of the places that he mentioned, and somehow that's been turned into bulletin board material for UGA. It's a pretty big stretch, to be honest with you, but all is fair in the SEC. To me, that sort of feels like an example of Kirby Smart trying to use anything possible at his disposal to make the environment with his team and his fans and everything else exactly what it needs to be on Saturday so we've got some example and some evidence of that already for this week but what if I told you there was something else perhaps going on here now I can't prove this but I am going to lay out my case nonetheless I believe that Kirby Smart is laying a trap here and I believe that right now if he's not careful and it seems like thus far he's kind of walking right into it I think that Shane Beamer who admittedly I probably like more than some of y'all do but I think that Shane Beamer could be well on his way to walking right into Kirby Smart's trap and I believe it could work out just perfectly for Georgia on Saturday. Let me kind of explain what I mean by this, and let me let you judge for yourself based on how the game plays out on Saturday. First of all, think about Beamer, famous last name, the son of Frank Beamer, longtime coach at Virginia Tech. What was Frank Beamer once known for and is what Shane Beamer has also kind of been known for in the early stage of his coaching career? It's the idea of Beamer ball which we mostly think about as kind of a special teams thing. But when Shane Beamer was on with a Marty McGee SEC network prior to the Tennessee game a year ago and his team hosted Tennessee, he was asked directly during that interview about, hey, what does Beamer ball mean to you? And Shane Beamer at the time was more than happy to kind of talk about the role that Beamer ball has played in his coaching career and his father's coaching career before that. This is a little bit of what Shane Beamer said on the SEC network about that.
2: What is Beamer ball to you? To me it's the ability that whatever unit is on the field has the opportunity to score. So it's your offense, it's your defense, and it's your special teams. You want to uh, constantly be attacking and we don't sit back and try and wait for something to happen on defense or special teams. We want to make it happen and be the aggressor and constantly attack and, and give uh, those phases the ability to score points also just like uh, just like an offense will as well.
1: So in other words, Beamer says, hey, it's really in all phases of the game. But most of us who've been college football fans for a long time, we sort of think of Beamer ball as kind of being a special teams thing, where, as Shane said, you want to be as aggressive as you possibly can. You want to block a punt. You want to make something happen on special teams. You want to find a way to use that unit to score and use that unit to be a difference maker the same way you'd want your offense to be, your defense to be. That's what you'd kind of want your special teams to be. And this week, it's been kind of interesting when you think about Beamer, who once worked for Kirby Smart at Georgia. There's even been some chatter out there about the role that Beamer Ball played in a Georgia season that almost resulted in a national championship back in 2017. Now, when Kirby Smart was asked about this on Tuesday night, he didn't want to play ball at all on what happened with that game against Alabama in 2017, the blocked punt that Tyler Simmons is on sides. But Shane Beamer, when he was talking to the media this week, he was more than happy to talk about that. He was more than happy to talk about what they really felt like was a coaching advantage they had over Alabama and a chance for so-called. Beamer Ball to help propel Georgia to a national championship. Sometimes Beamer's pretty candid. Sometimes he's willing to kind of talk about things other coaches perhaps might not want to go into detail with. This was an example this week on the role that Beamer Ball almost played in winning a national championship for Georgia back when Beamer was the special teams coach uh, and an assistant here at Georgia in 2017. Uh, This is what Shane Beamer said about that during his weekly press conference here this week.
2: If you ask anybody in Athens what Tyler Simmons was on side means they know. Because in the national championship game, Alabama punted. Kirby had come up with a plan that, you know, we're gonna show this look when Alabama punts. We're confident that they will do this. And then when they do this, we're gonna do that. We we were gonna get a free rusher, we felt like. And we did. Came completely clean, blocked a punt just like we had designed it to do. And unfortunately, the officiating crew, not an SEC crew, but the officiating crew absolutely blew the call. And I don't want to say cost us a national championship, but that was a significant play in the game.
1: So that clip right there is an example of something I said a moment ago of why I kind of like Shane Beamer probably more than a lot of y'all do I know that some of you think well he's the rival coach and there's this you know rumor and stuff out there that Kirby Smart doesn't like him so therefore if Kirby don't like him we're not gonna like him either which to me makes sense if you're a Georgia fan but there's an element of me that here's that kind of candor from Beamer happy to go back and relive a moment from his coaching life previously that he has vivid memories of and I think it's kind of nice that he's willing to be that candid and you know I don't know that every press conference has to be just sort of super deathly serious all the time so the fact that Beamer's kind of willing to kind of play ball on some of that kind of stuff I kind of appreciate that and so when he's not facing Georgia more often than not I guess I probably find myself rooting for a Shane Beamer coach team against certainly plenty of the other teams in the SEC probably but many of you don't feel that way but pushing that aside the point here is is that there's this image of Beamer Frank Beamer before that, Shane Beamer now, as this special teams guru. And that Beamer Ball is this huge, huge idea that exists within college football of this expert special teams that is going to be a difference maker during games. And Uh, as the way the media asked him about that in columbia here this week it was even a factor for georgia when beamer was the special teams coach here that you've really built up the shane beamer brand the beamer ball brand as this incredible difference making facet of the south carolina attack and i don't know if you noticed this week or not but when kirby smart was asked about beamer ball the special teams guru the ability of South Carolina to change games when it comes to their special teams. Guess what Kirby Smart did? Kirby Smart played right into that. Kirby smart who very frequently when he's asked about other coaches or other narratives Kirby smart does not play ball on some of that kind of stuff at all pretends to ignore the premise of the question certainly does not give a lot of compliments to coaches that he's competing against that's not a very typical Kirby smart thing yeah he's got respect for everybody but when it comes to specific things that build up the brands of specific coaches that he competes with Kirby smart almost never does that kind of stuff. But this week, when it comes to the huge brand of Beamer Ball and their expert special teams, their ability to change games in that third phase of the game, Kirby Smart was more than happy to talk about that Beamer Ball this week. I believe it's a trap. Take a listen to Kirby Smart being asked about Shane Beamer here this week.
0: Kirby, we're on Generation 2 of Beamer
3: Ball, where uh,
0: Shane's dad and him are both make their special teams. They mix it up. How do you prepare for that when you know that they're very good at it?
3: Yeah, they were tops in the conference last year in the little composite thing we do in terms of looking at all of them and ranking all the special teams units and then taking a composite of that. They were one in the SEC and it's something they do a really, really good job of. I know he's very hands-on with that. He's passionate about it. It creates an identity first players and uh, you can see them they play that way on special teams they they play really hard on special teams units so it's an important part of the game and if you look at our at least maybe our second game I don't know about our first one but it was impactful for us too so you're going to have a lot of momentum plays uh, in those units.
1: Now I can't prove this but I'm quite confident I'm right nonetheless. I believe the new seven and five just dropped. I believe this is the new seven and five of Georgia, who is a 28 almost point favorite against South Carolina, huge favorite in the game. But I believe there's a narrative within the Georgia program that when it comes to special teams, South Carolina's the favorite because that's Beamer ball and you're just little old Georgia. <laughs> I can't prove this for sure. But the fact that Kirby Smart was more than happy to say, oh, yeah, we've we, we chart this stuff. We rate this stuff. South Carolina, that's the best special teams we've ever seen. <laughs> they're, they're number one in the sec uh that that oh yeah it's an identity for that program this is the new seven and five for this particular game the new uh yeah you know georgia little old georgia this is the new seven and five for this particular game the georgia special team is going to be lucky to even keep pace with this beamer ball special teams for south carolina and when shane beamer perhaps unwittingly but when he talks about you know getting the block punt in the national championship game things like that i think he's actually kind of playing into the building up of the brand of shane beamer as a special teams guru now, admittedly i believe he probably is uh, a good special teams oriented coach i think that has been that has been a little bit of a hallmark of the beamer coaching legacy i i think that's probably true but in this particular game when you're trying to pull out all stops and you're trying to grab everything you can for even the slightest possible advantage you possibly can get challenging the georgia special teams of hey you guys are facing beamer ball on Saturday. Are you ready to cover their kicks? Are you ready to you know provide opportunities for guys like Makai Muse like you did last week? Are you ready to block your own kick? Are you ready to score on special teams? Are you ready to do that kind of stuff? Are you ready to do that? I believe that's probably the message internally for this Georgia program. Why? Well, because it just sort of seems like the kind of thing that Georgia would do But also, I think it speaks to an issue that is incredibly important for Georgia all the time. You know, last night, Kamari Laster, the terrific Georgia cornerback, he was talking to reporters. And the subject of special teams came up with him. And, you know, Laster talked last night about how important special teams kind of always been for him as a player and just how important special teams is for Georgia overall. So you think that Kirby Smart won't try to push this button this week, knowing that the special teams guru supposedly is on the other side, kick coverage, block kicks, things like that. Knowing that Georgia's facing beamer ball on Saturday, you think that Kirby won't try to push the special teams button for his own team here this week there as well? This is Kamari Laster from last night telling you how important special teams is overall to this Georgia program. That's what Kamari said.
2: Special teams for me, is kind of near to me because that's how I initially got on the field when I first got here. My freshman year, me and uh, JB, we used to jump around. We was like, we were special teams All-Americans because we weren't really sniffing the field with all those uh, guys that were playing that year. But man, we was on special teams all four units. So, you know, just being on that unit, it means a lot. And, um, you know, Coach Mark, he says that the best players play special teams. So just just being able to play special teams means a lot just because that, that means that the coach thinks that you're good enough to be on there.
1: Kirby Smart tells these players, hey, you know, if you want to know if you're a good player or not, do I trust you to be on special teams? That's the message that Kirby's sending on a regular basis anyway. You think he's not sending that message even more on Saturday, both in part because it's a chance of the extra motivation, knowing you're facing Beamer ball, but it's also a chance to let's be honest here you know what's something that georgia needs right now it needs a spark for its offense the georgia offense has been okay through two games but probably hasn't been you know great yet hasn't run the ball particularly well yet carson beck still trying to figure things out what's the best gift you could give an offense who's trying to kind of get going how about some short fields you think the georgia offense would benefit from some short fields on saturday what's the best way to get short fields give makai muse a lane to run through the way he did to start the game last saturday against Ball State. Block upon at some point in time. How about get yourself a special team score at some point in time, the way that Muse also did there as well? All of a sudden, that's how you can build a big lead. Y'all watch the game on Saturday and see if this doesn't turn out to be true. I've told you before, I believe that Georgia throttles South Carolina on Saturday. I believe its largest margin of victory this season to date happens this weekend. How do you get there? I believe that is going to use its special teams, and I believe it's going to use the extra motivation of how good Kirby Smart's told these Georgia players that Beamer Ball and the Gamecocks special teams units are as a way of being at its absolute best on special teams, whether it's a kick return, a blocked punt, or whatever else. I believe that is going to go out and set the tone for the day with what it does in its third unit, its special teams unit. And when Georgia coasts to an easy victory on Saturday, watch and see if special teams aren't the reason why. My name's Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Breda past Manager and we are back live and we are loving life because of that. Whether you tune in 945 or first and 15 at dognation.com or at Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, all video platforms, noon on app and sports radio, 960, the ref podcast on demand anytime you want them. Uh, you're never impacted whether we're live or not. And we're grateful to have all of you out. there still our first platform and you know most days our biggest platform uh thankful to have the great podcast audience that tunes in each and every day to be a part of what we do around here and a big thanks as well to great sponsors who make this show possible like our friends at Breda Past Management now on Saturday I think pound for pound you get the best atmosphere of the season inside Sanford Stadium so when you're there if you're lucky enough to be there and you're looking around at this raucous crowd of 93,000 that's just shaking Sanford Stadium I want you to keep one thing in mind that that building that you're sitting in, that stadium you're sitting in is also protected from bugs and critters and maybe even runaway chickens on Saturday by our friends at Breda Pest Management, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. And it's not just Sanford Stadium, it's all the other athletic venues there as well. Bugs, critters, termites, they're all kept at bay and kept outside where they're supposed to be because of our friends at Breda Pest Management, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. And when you think about a company like Breda, in business since 1975, 125 employees, well-resourced company, using those resources for your benefit too by allowing you to save more money Just by making the switch. And let's face it, it seems like everything in life is more expensive every day and only getting more expensive as time goes on. So anything that saves you money, anything that puts more money back in your pocket, that's exactly what you need here right now. And that's what our friends at Breda Pest Management are all about. So please find them online. It's BredaPest.com. B R E D A bradapest.com Breda Pass management good friends of ours here on dog nation daily and also the official pest control provider of uga athletics so we got two fun interviews on our show today before we're done it's the former georgia quarterback jake Fromm. jake's gonna give us some good stuff on kind of what it's like to be kind of a prospective NFL quarterback you know Jake's obviously on the uh, uh, travel the I should say the practice squad for the Washington Commanders but at any point in time you know a guy like Jake can be active on somebody's roster maybe a team like the New York Jets I mean obviously that's just speculation on my part but we all saw what happened to Aaron Rodgers on Monday night Jake will tell us what it's like to be an aspiring NFL quarterback in situations like that where a good number of teams could perhaps be making roster moves over the course of the next few weeks Jake also gives you great insight on what's happening for Carson back here right now uh, as he moves moves into his third start and after two weeks what have we seen from Carson and the guy on the other side there as well Spencer Rattler who's now been around the block a few times for the uh, Gamecocks we'll find out what Jake Fromm thinks about him Mike Griffith joins us here in a couple of minutes there as well but prior to that let me give you a couple things first of all I told you this yesterday let me tell you again uh that Dog Nation invasion on the Tennessee River is sold out we blew through our tickets on this as fast as we've gone through anything there in the past. So that is completely sold out. Thank you to so many of you who've made that such a successful thing for us. Sorry, the Tennessee fans are so mad about it, but we're going to be rolling down the river in style and looking at, watching georgia just absolutely run wild on the turf there in neyland stadium there as well we're excited about all of that dog nation invasion the tennessee river is completely sold out now here is the news though you need to know if you wanted tickets didn't get them or whatever else there is a waiting list i've been told the waiting list is working perfectly here right now so if you go to dognation.com i can't secure you tickets here at the moment but we're going to try to get as many people on board the boat as we possibly can so Um, If we can find a way to get more tickets, you know, kind of, I don't know, rearrange some furniture or something like that, we're going to figure out a way to do that. So get in on the waiting list and you can possibly be part of Dog Nation Invasion on the Tennessee River. Go to dognation.com, get on the waiting list, and we'll try to let you know one way or another about that as quickly as we possibly can. Big thanks to everyone who's made that such a successful rollout. Can't wait to see you there in Knoxville coming up in November. Also, before we kind of move on with the show, let's get ready to go around the doghouse here right now today by our good friends at dr pepper now here is something i think is going to be really interesting on saturday you know there are a couple of playmakers who i thought asserted themselves in a very big way uh in saturday's game against ball state that you're kind of left to wonder well what could they possibly be like in the remainder of the season here for george at this point in time you have to say the makai muse thing is just real muse is more than a good story he's a very important part of this team here right now especially in the phase of the game that we spend a lot of time talking about at the top of the show the special teams phase uh, we believe muse is a really big part of that and the other kind of cool interesting wrinkle that georgia showed you on saturday there as well was dylan bell at the running back position bell has kind of always been a wide receiver that looked like a running back has some history at running back going back to his time at high school uh really showed you a spark when he got a chance to play there on saturday what does that mean for him in the future, though? Kirby Smart's been asked about that a couple of times this week, including again last night, about the willingness of Bell to kind of go wherever he's needed for this Georgia team. This is good stuff from uh, Kirby on Bell, also named checks Mackay Muse, too. Kirby from last night.
3: We'll always have that element, whether it's he or Muse or uh, the other guys that can line up in the backfield and do it. So that's always going to be there. Um, we have backs capable of doing that, too, when we're 100% healthy. So. I I don't know if I can answer that. And will we keep it there? Probably depends on you know how many wideouts are healthy, uh what we have week to week, what the game plan is. But uh certainly like to
1: Yeah, so I mean I think a lot of Jordan fans left Saturday against Ball State hopeful that they would see more of Dylan Bell at the running back position, which is not to say that when he's fully healthy, Dejaon Edwards and Kendall Milton uh can't be a very capable tandem of running backs. I believe they can, but even if they are you're still down Branson Robinson for what you thought you'd have I mean I think Andrew Paul as exciting as his future might be this is still a guy that's you know only a year removed from a pretty serious injury uh Robinson Robinson's an interesting player but Dylan Bell is a completely different kind of player because I think he provides a little bit more of an athletic shiftiness than Robinson probably provides this stage of his career and you know to be honest Bell probably has a little bit more beef to him than what a cash Jones might bring to the table at least I think that's probably the case so I just think that Bell's an interesting player, even if Kendall Milton and Dejon Edwards are back fully healthy. Now, Kirby would say, well, yeah, maybe an interesting player, though, more valuable to at wide receiver, depending on what the overall depth situation is like there. I'll leave that to the coaches to decide. But when you kind of think about a Georgia team that's still in flux, trying to determine exactly what its identity is supposed to be going to be. I think the presence of a guy like Bell last week certainly made the Ball State game more fun. He and Makai Muse both did. And seeing how they'll be used in Saturday's game when you face a more substantial opponent in SEC play, I think their presence should be pretty fun again there as well. And that is around the doghouse poured today by our friends at dr pepper and so happy to have college football back and so happy to have dr pepper back is a big part of that too you're seeing the fansville commercials each and every week when you're watching these games and you're reminded that the rich creamy flavor of dr pepper is exactly what you want to make your game day everything it can be whether you're talking about the original dr pepper dr pepper zero sugar diet dr pepper the dr pepper strawberries and cream whatever you got all of that made better with dr pepper so when you're doing your shopping at your local kroger wherever you're kind of picking all that up make sure you check out and get some dr pepper for your game day watch parties and all the fun things you got going on it's a delicious one-of-a-kind dr pepper it's the one fans deserve all right, so before we are done, as I said before, we're going to get Jake Fromm here coming up in just a little bit. There's also a pretty big game in the SEC that used to be as big as anything this league had, probably diminished in its, you know, uh, notoriety here the last couple of years, but nonetheless a pretty important game on a relatively weak slate for college football overall. I've got some thoughts on that to share. And I think we've learned something about what's happening around Georgia for the first two weeks that I think probably needs to be addressed here. I probably kind of stumbled into this take, but I believe I'm probably right about that. So we'll get to that here coming up in just a little bit, too. But for now, on what is next for Georgia, get ready to take on South Carolina. And what was it like to be kind of behind the scenes there at Bryant Denny Stadium on Saturday in the most notable moment of this season here thus far when Texas beat Alabama? What was that like? Well, Mike Griffith was there. So what do you say we get ready to talk to him about that? And what's next for these dogs getting ready to take on South Carolina on Saturday? We are looking forward to doing all of that with you. Uh, It is a Georgia Farm Bureau insider update with Mike Griffith here today on Dog Nation Daily. And It seems like we may still be. is, Is Mike ready to go? all right we'll roll on with mike here uh so uh good to have mike here on dog nation daily insider update presented by georgia farm bureau let's talk to mike griffith here right now from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a DogNation.com nation.com insider we'll say hello to mike griffith here georgia farm bureau insider update and obviously i think we're uh, really happy to have a step up in competition for Georgia moving into SEC play after a couple of weeks' worth of games that I just don't think provided much fodder for conversation really at all. So, Mike, turning the page here, what is your expectation for Georgia against South Carolina on Saturday?
0: I expect a Georgia blowout, you know. Um, I expect Georgia to throttle the game talks. I think the dogs are eagles are eager to sink their teeth into the chickens. I think this is a South Carolina team that, you know, lacks the sort of line play that you need to compete with Georgia. Uh, Obviously last year they went into Columbia and uh, routed South Carolina. It was quite a victory. Uh, I don't know why it would be any different. I do know this Georgia team is missing some of the key components they've had, uh, specifically a a back like Kenny McIntosh. um, that can catch the ball and do so many things out of the backfield and uh, what Kirby called a generational talent at tight end. Um, First round, offensive tackle, left tackle. And and, uh, and I think that those missing pieces, uh, not to mention Lad McConkey being out, Dejon Edwards being out, and Kendall Milton being injured, I mean, my goodness. Um, it's hard to really evaluate Carson back when he hasn't had the same sort of supporting cast that Stetson Bennett did. Um, now, that said, Brandon, I think that some of those guys will be back. Uh, I think, you know, we're going to see Dejon. I pretty good chance we'll see Ladd, my guess, would be. And I think there's going to be a different approach and mentality.
1: So what I have said is, and I'm like you, I expect Georgia to absolutely annihilate South Carolina on Saturday. Uh, I think the last two years, this game has been the one in which Georgia has looked as much like a national champion as any other game that it's played. Perhaps that's coincidence. Perhaps it's not. But Georgia has been at its national championship best. Uh, from a regular season standpoint certainly against South Carolina in both the last two years and so therefore I kind of expect that to be true again on Saturday I have also been kind of working Mike from the hypothesis that I believe that the overall narrative this year is very similar to a year ago when that I suspect that Georgia is far and away the best team in college football and that Georgia may win the national championship this year with a similar level of ease to what it won the national championship a year ago I think there's a strong possibility that's true but if I'm wrong this is the kind of game where evidence of that starts to show up because let's say it's not a 40-point victory. Let's say it's not even a uh, you know a five-touchdown victory. Let's say it's inside of the four touchdowns that the kind of experts sort of think that it is right now. Well, at that point in time, then I think it becomes reasonable to say, well, perhaps there is a little bit of regression, at least with where Georgia is right now. And perhaps the path towards a third straight national championship, or as we say around here, go for three and 23. Perhaps that path isn't quite as easy as maybe it was a year ago because this is a common opponent that Georgia plays every year has played every year I think this is as interesting a measuring stick as Georgia's likely to have uh for a little while here because we know how good Georgia typically has been against South Carolina if they're not quite that good on Saturday it would at least open my eyes to the possibility that we're about to have a different kind of conversation around Georgia this season do you agree with that
0: uh, you know, perhaps you know if Ladd McConkie plays and Dajon plays, and they still sputter a little bit. Then and, you know, they, and they don't break like twenty-four points. Then I would agree with you. You know, if if, if but if McConkie is still out or limited, and, and let's keep an eye on Brock Bowers. By the way, let's remember he didn't play many snaps; only one catch for three yards last week. Let's you know, let's let's see how his health is. I'm a little concerned about him. Um, quite honestly, he takes a lot of hits, and, and you know, we all see Brock Bowers as Captain America because he's such a fantastic player, and of course. Uh, you know, I had Benjamin Watson on the other night and compared him to Michael. He said he was the Michael Jordan of college football because he could do everything. And I, that was about the highest praise that, to me, Michael Jordan is the ultimate uh, compliment for any athlete. Uh, I think he's the best competitor and athlete in my lifetime. Um, probably a whole other segment of the show. But but, but to be compared to Michael Jordan uh, by Ben Watson, who himself was a bit of a freak of a tight end, it, it, you know, running that... Four four forty at six three and two sixty, and being a first round pick, I mean, I just don't know. Um, so, to answer your question, I want to see the health of these guys. Brandon, I, I lean, I, I, I lean a lot more on the Auburn game. Quite frankly, I, I'm not going to. This game to me is still a little bit of, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, house money. I think Kirby can still kind of do what he wants against South Carolina because I just don't think they're that good. I think the road trip at Auburn is, is going to be you know my early litmus test. And then, obviously, they play Kentucky the next week. But I think the road trip at Auburn is the one. That's that's the game that's got me holding my breath a little bit to find out if this is a championship team.
1: We'll talk more about this on tomorrow's show. But the other thing I think is interesting for Georgia about South Carolina is I do think it's a chance for Georgia to remind folks about how good it is on defense in particular because when you go out and have low point totals allowed against the likes of UT Martin and Ball State, that just doesn't mean very much. But Spencer Rattler, I do believe, is a good quarterback. I know they didn't have a great day uh, offensively against North Carolina, and that obviously matters. I believe that was kind of low-key, one of the worst performances for an SEC team in kind of the pre-conference season here thus far. But Rattler had a huge conclusion to his year a year ago and as i've talked about i know that you've had some things say about this too you know it hasn't been a great rush defense start to the season for georgia georgia also only has one sack here thus far there's only a small handful of teams that have uh, just one sack georgia being one of them ironically lsu's another one but uh but you know, there are a couple of numbers right now for Georgia defensively. They don't necessarily feel Georgia-like. I think on Saturday, it's a chance to remind people that as Georgia does try to win that third straight national championship, they're going to do it with a defense that I believe is made very similar in stock to the ones that it's had the last couple of years there as well. So that is something that I think that Georgia has a chance to prove here this weekend.
0: Yeah, you know, and I'd say this about the North Carolina-South Carolina game, and and, and this is kind of a little insider's baseball, you know. but Freddie Kitchens went from the South Carolina staff to the North Carolina staff, and and there was some talk that Freddie had picked up a tip um, that was tipping North Carolina on South Carolina's pass game, that that South Carolina was doing something to telegraph, and I believe that because I've seen it in person. I saw 1999 Tennessee lose to Florida because Alex Brown picked up on a pass rush tip and had five sacks in one game, so I do know that those those little things can make a difference. And Rattler was sacked nine times in that game. I don't expect that to happen again this year. I don't think South Carolina's deep, you know, offensive line is great, but I do think that there was something to that. I think so that that was a factor in that game. Um, I think I think Georgia's going to have their share of sacks because of the nature of the South Carolina offense. Those other offenses you talked about. I don't really worry too much about only one sack because those offenses were devised to get rid of the ball quickly. Um, they knew who they were playing against, right? What I'm more concerned with is, is the lack of the, the push in the middle. Uh, you know, Jalen Carter, you know, if I've said his name once, I've said it a hundred times this year already. The guy was, he, he talked about a generational talent. I mean, what he did and the way he did it, nobody's going to replicate that in college football.
2: He was he was an
0: Adamic Sioux figure, and you know, probably not as celebrated as he probably should have been because there were so many other stars to talk about. Um, but that's what George is missing, and, and nobody has it. To be clear, it's not like somebody else has that weapon. Nobody's got a Jalen Carter this year, but that does change things a little bit. So um, I, I don't worry as much about the sack numbers. as I look at the quarterback pressures. I look at um, you know turnovers forced. You know the fact that there were three turnovers. I think that was big. I think you know, uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson talked about they were able to create some more havoc last week. Even if it didn't end in sacks, um, they were able to disrupt and and you know change things. So I'll be curious to see how they do. You know, I'm high on Spencer Rattler. I was last year. I think he's a. Um, I think he's an NFL talent. I don't know that he. Uh, I don't know where he's at with his decision making process. I don't know how he's going to interview. Um, But I think he's a guy that will probably be on an NFL sideline somewhere, whether he's starting or backing up or on a practice squad, I don't know. Uh, But he's he's a good quarterback. I, I just don't think they have the firepower, Brandon, to really pose much of a threat be honest
1: with you it's our georgia farm bureau insider update with mike griffith here on dog nation daily and of course we appreciate georgia farm bureau because just like me i'm a lifelong georgian been here entrenched in the state my entire life that's the way the georgia farm bureau is too in counties just like yours all across the great state of georgia their agents or claim adjusters things like that they're living right there in your community they're working They're they're taking their kids to little league they're going to church they're doing all those things in the community just like you are there as well and that kind of mindset of understanding what georgia is all about understanding how much our state loves football and loves the things that happen around football. It's that same level of knowledge and intuition about what makes us Georgians that makes Georgia Farm Bureau such a great company to do business with when it comes to your insurance needs, auto insurance, life insurance, home insurance, those types of things. Uh, Georgia Farm Bureau is always about that. For years now here on Dog Nation Daily, you've heard me say that Georgia Farm Bureau is always the home team. So when you're in need of some new insurance coverage, I want you to check out Georgia Farm Bureau and find out why the things that I've said are so true. Please find them online, gfbinsurance.com that's gfbinsurance.com for more on that mike let me squeeze in one more here quick before we uh let you go you had a chance on saturday to be on hand for the uh alabama loss to texas the most thrilling moment of the season here thus far uh what was it like there in the stadium kind of a behind the scenes look at what i believe is in a lot of ways the end of the alabama dynasty uh what did you make of what you saw
0: well, I mean, it was it was an unbelievable environment. You know, I'd, I'd put it up there. You know, with uh, Georgia, Notre Dame, and Georgia-Tennessee. Uh, you know, the crowd was unbelievable. Um, the noise. Uh, the, you know, they just they did a great job. You know, they, Alabama had a tremendous home field advantage, um, but you know, look, Texas went in there and did what they had to do. Uh, you know, they, you know, Quinn Ewers, you know, played about a perfect game. Sarkeesian was playing chestnut checkers. You uh, knew exactly how to attack Alabama and had the personnel to do it. I'll tell you this, Brandon. I don't think Texas beats Alabama without a Donnie Mitchell. I'll tell you that. You know, they've got two really special receivers in Xavier Worthy and a Donnie Mitchell, and that's probably one of the reasons why you picked them to go to the playoff. Um, we'll see if they sustain their success. That's been an issue for Sark. Um, Texas with only one 10 1 season in the last 13 years, but uh, certainly this was a team that was up to the test. I thought Alabama did a really poor job. Uh, Tommy Reese uh, did a really poor job. And, you know, sometimes we all kind of sit around and complain about Kirby running the ball in the first quarter, right? Well, if the option is to either run it and, and make a team travel the full length of the field, which is how Kirby plays it, versus Alabama throwing it on their end of the field and giving Texas a short field and momentum, you know, that made a little bit more sense. He said, you know, look at this guy. Here's Jalen Milroe making his third career start. And they're calling a play where he's throwing it across the field into the flats. Very, very dangerous pass. You know, to me, that's where I said, you know what, Kirby would have run it there. Kirby would have run it and said, you know what, guys, we're going to run it. We're going to punt it. We're going to make Texas go 80 yards in our stadium. But that's not what Alabama did. And I thought that was a a critical mistake because Texas got early momentum and they stayed ahead of the chains and and they maintained it, right? And there was another pick that that got all the way back to the five. Brandon, those two interceptions by Jalen Milrow amounted to 10 points. The difference in the game was Quinn Ewers and how he was coached versus Jalen Milrow and how he was coached. I'll say this. I know that we're – I think we're all ready for the Alabama dynasty to be over with. But I would say not so fast. If this gets corrected, this is a team that may not lose another game. Uh, they, they're, they're, This is a very powerful, very talented football team. Now, they've got to get the coaching put together. And, and I, I'm not convinced they will. I, Tommy Reese, uh uh-uh. No, I'm not convinced that, that, uh, they're, gonna, uh, that they're necessarily going to figure this out. Um, but if they do, they're, you can see the talent. It's, it's, you can definitely see the talent, and it will take a team, much like it would have taken a team to beat Georgia, and has taken a team to beat Georgia, that has multiple good receivers, that can run past defensive backs, NFL defensive backs, and quarterbacks that can make those throws. There's only three or four teams that have that sort of personnel and coaching. I think Texas is one of them. Ohio State was one of them last year. Um, Georgia could be one of them if one of these transfer receivers pans out. Uh, But this is worth watching. I'm not ready to write off Alabama quite yet. I'm with you. I still favor Georgia. I still pick Georgia to win the SEC, to be clear. I pick Georgia to win the SEC and to go to the playoff. I pick Georgia. But I'm telling you, I don't think the tide's dead yet.
1: Mike, thanks for being on the program today. We appreciate that. We look forward to reading more from you at dognation.com, and we'll see you next week as a part of a Georgia Farm Bureau insider update. Look forward to it. Thanks, Brandon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC through. Let me share with you a thought about Alabama, and then when I move on, talk about a couple of other things here. I think there's something really important that you see playing out with the Crimson Tide, and it's a reminder of our off conversation It's the kind of thing that probably translates from year to year. And it's similar to what I've said in the past in that for college football fans are always kind of trying to decide what the real story is and how do you read the rumor mill and how do you make sense of, in some cases, conflicting information that's out there. Just keep in mind, I've said when it comes to Georgia in the past, That good news frequently leaks out, but bad news almost never does. And so, therefore, when there's no news, sometimes that's a sign of bad news. Because if it was good news, somebody somewhere would be saying, "Hey, I heard so and so looks great at camp," but we never hear, "I heard so and so looks terrible at camp." Right? Do you notice that? And it just sort of stands to reason the door would swing both ways. That if if so-and-so player is capable of having a great camp showing up in the best shape of his life it's also possible that somebody else somewhere is 10 pounds overweight but we never really hear that Uh, we only hear the good thing because good news frequently leaks out bad news never does and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just human nature possibly well the Alabama quarterback thing is kind of an example of that too we heard very little about what was going on with the Alabama quarterback situation for a long time spring practice leading into the spring game and once we get a chance to see that we were left to conclude oh yeah Jalen Milrose no better right now than he was when he was playing in some games a year ago he ain't it and Ty Simpson doesn't seem to be a factor at all and then during the summer you know in terms of substantial actual rumor stuff and listen I'm not living in Tuscaloosa Alabama but I'm like many of you I'm trying to get as much SEC information as I can get and there's a lot of curiosity about the Alabama quarterback situation but there was never any real substantial rumors that came out out of that situation. It was the dog that wasn't barking. And when you see no news, when you hear no news, oftentimes that's a sign of bad news. And the truth is, is that Jalen Milrow really isn't any better now than he was a year ago, even though Alabama fans obviously hope that he would be and Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson, how bad must they be not to be able to get any playing time away from uh, Milrow here right now? And by the way, you know, go back to the Middle Tennessee State game. It was Buckner who came in second. Ty Simpson's just not a factor. It doesn't appear to be, at least right now. Uh, Milrow is a very good runner. Uh, he's got a strong arm. and can throw a deep ball, but he doesn't throw any intermediate passes at all. You're not going to win games that way. Games of note. Now, will Alabama still have a fine record? Sure. Could they be 11-1? and They absolutely could be. Should Georgia be afraid of Alabama in an SEC championship? No. When it comes to December through January, you got to play somebody, right? You've got to play somebody. And in terms of the typical team that Georgia might play as an opponent in the SEC championship, especially moving forward in future years when it's going to be the best two teams in the league that are playing, given the fact that you've got to play somebody, I think that Georgia should be as excited about playing this version of Alabama as any team that it will play in any SEC championship into the next however many years in the future because this is pretty clearly a flawed Alabama. Now, maybe the rest of the SEC West has greater flaws than that, but if this is the team that you would have to beat to kind of punch your final ticket for a playoff spot, that's about as advantageous of a position, I believe, from December on that Georgia's capable of finding itself in. This is not the same Alabama, not by a long shot, and the fact that the other quarterbacks on that roster seemingly aren't capable of pushing Jalen Milroe aside, that may be all you need to know to prove that. Now, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC courtesy of royal caribbean let's get ready to talk about a fun 2024 on tap for royal caribbean you've heard me talk before about the debut of icon of the seas it's in january i am hoping like heck to get a chance to be on that ship i want to see it for myself because it's the largest cruise ship that's ever been constructed and as someone who's been on a lot of royal caribbean cruise uh, vacations who's had a chance to experience a lot of the best of royal caribbean including those oasis class ships the newest of that fleet wonder of the seas on that a couple of times last year just given the fact that i've had a chance to experience all of that seeing how Uh, the brand new icon of the sea is going to change the game and redefine all of that man I'm so excited about seeing that for myself at least I hope I get a chance to do that and uh, if you talk to our friend Jessica Slater our great travel agent who's been specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean you can do the same thing you can call her 770-718-9147 that's seven seven zero seven one eight nine one four seven. Also email her Jay Slater DreamVacations.com. Email her jslaterdreamvacations.com com. And keep in mind that Icon is not the only brand new ship that Royal Caribbean's debuting in 2024. How about in July, Utopia of the Seas, brand new Oasis class ship? It's the latest in the line of the Oasis class ships that have kind of been the game changer prior to this, and it's going to go out of Port Canaveral three and four night sailing. It's going to be an incredible experience. Make sure you check that out. All right, a couple of SEC through stories I want to get to here before we talk to Jake Fromm coming up in just a moment's time. So I was thinking about this, and I, I guess I said this in a radio interview yesterday. It's one of those things where I didn't necessarily mean to say it, but after I did say it, I was like, yeah, I believe that's probably true. So if you think about what Georgia's top competition has been outside the SEC the last couple of years not within the league and within the league that's formidable enough but outside the SEC think about that as being like an Ohio State and a Michigan if you think about that as kind of being the top competition for Georgia outside the SEC I think this year provides a very different kind of challenge for Georgia perhaps if it plays out the way that it seems like it might here right now you know When you faced a Michigan, you always knew if you're Georgia, you had a pretty supreme talent edge. Now, the media, national media especially, doesn't seem to know that, but we all know that, that Michigan really can't stay on the same field with Georgia. It has a few good players, but Georgia has a far better roster, and that Michigan tries to be a sort of a sugar-free version of Georgia there in the Big Ten, but when they face the real thing, the full-calorie version down here in the South, uh, they simply can't keep pace. Michigan isn't a threat to Georgia, I don't believe, at all, no matter what Reese Davis has said. Ohio State was obviously capable of playing a close game with Georgia last year because they have an incredible level of talent. Their explosive potential on offense, listen, I hate Ohio State, but I'll be more than happy to tell you that is absolutely for real. But when push comes to shove, Georgia both physically and mentally is just tougher than Ohio State is. And eventually, that's a kind of an Achilles heel uh, for Ohio State that Georgia had its chance to exploit. So I believe that both of the top competitors to Georgia outside the SEC last couple of years had a kind of fatal flaw that made them a little easier for Georgia to possibly handle. My pick is still that Georgia's going to win this year's national championship. And I suspect that Georgia, more likely than not, wins this national championship pretty easily. But I do believe what appears to be, in my mind anyway, possibly the top two non-SEC competitors for Georgia right now, I suspect they do provide a little bit of a different kind of challenge. I think the Texas looked good on Saturday night. I think the Quinn Ewers, as I expected him to be, right now has a look of a guy who might be the best quarterback in college football, Caleb Williams included. And I believe that Steve Sarkeesian was always the best play caller that Nick Saban ever employed. He looked like a pretty diabolical offensive mind in Tuscaloosa there on Saturday night. I think that Georgia would face a pretty stiff challenge from Texas. It's a game I believe that Georgia would win. But there's an element of what Texas brings to the table right now that I think is a little bit more of a challenge for Georgia than what Michigan or Ohio State would have been in either the last two years. I believe that to be true. And in a roundabout way, I kind of think of the same thing about Florida State a little bit as well. That what Florida State does really well, in addition to having Jordan Travis as a quarterback, I mean, the presence of Keon Coleman right now as a transfer wide receiver, that's a real weapon. And, you know... The overall high school recruiting for Norvell probably hasn't quite gotten cranked up yet the way that it wants to. But I think you go back to that LSU game on that Sunday night to begin the season, Florida State looked really good. If I told you right now you could face the Michigan team from 2021 or the Florida State team from 2023 and guarantee yourself a victory, I would hope that you would realize that the Michigan game from 2021 is a far more guaranteed win. I think the same thing is probably true when you compare Georgia to Ohio State. I believe that Ohio State had to play its best possible game to keep it close to the Georgia a year ago, but in terms of teams more likely to play it close with Georgia on kind of a more of a, I guess, expected basis. I think the Texas and Florida State perhaps are teams that might be more capable of doing that. So in other words, let me restate myself here. I still believe that Georgia wins the national championship. But I still believe that Georgia is uh, a pretty wide gap between itself and everybody else. If the game is closer against South Carolina on Saturday, perhaps I'll rethink that some. But for now, I'm confident in my opinion. But I'm also of the belief that the top national competition outside the SEC Is the likes of a Florida State and a Texas, that's a little bit of an interesting challenge in a way that Big Ten teams such as Ohio State and Michigan were just never going to be for UGA. Let me also just kind of mention this here really quick. Um, I was going to do a couple of these SEC games. Let me just do this one for now. We'll do LSU more probably tomorrow. So Tennessee goes on the road on Saturday, and they are about a touchdown favorite or so against Florida. Now, I think that Tennessee last year, and listen we have very little respect for the Vols overall but going on the road last year and throttling LSU the way that it did that was a real win that was a significant accomplishment and achievement for Tennessee and it was a reminder of this is a Tennessee team that is clearly playing better than maybe some of us you know thought they probably would be I was relatively high on Tennessee to begin last year probably got that right but but Tennessee surprised a lot of people by the with the ease with which it handled LSU in its own stadium last year So you're left to wonder, what about traveling to Florida here this year? About a touchdown favorite, is this another chance for Tennessee to flex on the road? This is a game that takes place on Saturday. At one point in time, this was as big a game as the SEC had. It's obviously lost a lot of its luster since then. I think, though, there's a big difference between the Tennessee team that went to LSU last year and the Tennessee team that goes to Florida on Saturday. Keep in mind, you know, Jalen Hyatt last year was the Blitnikoff Award winner. Hendon uh, Hooker, Tennessee fans thought he should have been a Heisman finalist. Now we don't think they're right about that. We think Tennessee fans are as delusional about that as they are about a lot of other stuff. But the fact they even can have that conversation gives you an idea of how good Hooker was a year ago. Right now, I don't see a Bolitnikoff wide receiver on this team. I don't believe Brew McCoy is going to be that, um, and I don't really see right now Joe Milton reminding anyone of Hendon Hooker. Now I think the Vols are going to still score a lot of points here this year. That's a dangerous offense. But this is not the kind of offensive firepower that was just absolutely annihilating a team like LSU on the road. In other words, I think right now Tennessee's being forced to give way too many points to Florida. And I obviously realize how bad Florida played its week one game on that Thursday night there in Salt Lake City. But keep in mind, what was really Florida's biggest problem there that night? It's mistakes, right? It's penalties. It's embarrassing things. It's the kind of haphazard mess that can be cleaned up. And while I would be shocked if Florida actually won the game, I'd also be somewhat shocked if it's not close late. So I believe in what seems like it's a fairly kind of lackluster weekend for college football, the Florida-Tennessee game could actually end up being better in reality than it appears to be on paper. It's a test that Tennessee hopes to try to pass for Florida, who just needs anything they can to kind of grasp onto for the positive right now. Perhaps keeping it close against the uh, Vols on Saturday might restore a little bit of confidence down there in Gainesville. By the way, it's also interesting to see this. And then after this, we'll talk to Jake Fromm. Dan Mullen doing these ESPN deals, he was on with Matt Barry. He actually called out uh, uh, Napier a little bit, mentioning the fact that he hasn't won a rivalry game yet and how Florida fans get restless after a while if you don't do that. I think Mullen, who I obviously don't like at all, is well within his rights. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't owe Billy Napier anything you know, they pushed Mullen out the door because they think winning at Florida is supposed to be easy in this current era of the SEC that includes a behemoth like Georgia. Billy Napier showing you right now that these games are actually pretty hard to win. So if uh, Dan Mullen doesn't want to throw a lifeline to a Billy Napier, he's well within his rights to do that. And it sounds like that's exactly what uh, Mullen intends to do based on his comments here this week. Pretty interesting stuff. We will make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And now we'll get ready to talk to Jake Fromm as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. And here on Dog Nation Daily, time now for a Kroger Fresh Take. We'll bring on former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm. And, Jake, always great to have you here as a part of the program each and every week. Hope you're doing well, and we certainly appreciate your time.
4: Yeah, Brandon, thank you for having me. Glad to
1: be here. So, obviously, Monday night, uh, a crazy situation on Monday night football. Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback injury, I was joking with you before he came on the air, of, you know, are you going to be the next quarterback now, the New York Jets? But, obviously, this is one of those things I do think a lot of folks are kind of curious about sometimes, which is, you know, that process of – you know what a team like the Jets might perhaps do or for other quarterbacks such as yourself who and by the way it may not just be like you know guys like your yourself who are kind of you know in the phase of your career you're in you know a younger guy we could be hearing perhaps about a Matt Ryan or somebody like that who maybe gets in the mix here on this uh, a little bit too what's that process behind the scenes like when maybe the Jets are looking for a new quarterback and maybe there are you know guys who kind of wonder of is this a chance for maybe me to get on an active roster what's that a little What's that like for those of us who kind of only see that from afar?
4: Yeah, um, I mean, first off, just saying it's just a, a bad and terrible day for football, you know, when a guy like Aaron Rodgers goes down on the fourth play of the game, you know, for the season. Um, man, that's just that's just terrible, man. It, it really is. does. It sucks, obviously, for him and for that team and for the, that organization and franchise who's, you know, kind of kind of riding high on him and, and expecting a lot of things. But, um, you know, as far as, you know, what they do now, you know, that's, You know, for them behind the scenes, and, you know, I'm sure they're exploring kind of a little bit of everything, but um, I'm sure it's probably a a pretty grim day in the building even after a win. Um, And, uh, you know, for for younger quarterbacks around the league, uh, you just never know. Um, You know, that's why we always, you know, are are staying ready, you know. And um, nothing surprises me in this league, so that's just part uh, part of it.
1: that's certainly good advice jake i I think that's uh really well said as far as georgia goes on saturday we saw carson beck make his second start i think to my eyes probably looked a a little bit sharper seemed a little bit more comfortable i guess i mean the overall passing yards was slightly less but he did throw a couple of touchdowns uh he had an interception but i don't think you'd say that interception was his fault did you get a chance to see much of carson on saturday and what did you think about his second start if you did
4: yeah i would agree with you there um and still, from an offensive team point, uh, you can see that they're, they're spreading the ball around, getting everybody, all the players involved. Um, even put Dylan Bell at running back, and yeah. got to see some explosive runs out of him. Uh, but as far as Carson goes, it's just you know good to see him getting those reps, even for a, a older guy, so to speak, on the team. Um, there's still nothing you can do to simulate a, you know a real active game with the bullets flying and and being able to make those decisions in crunch time situations. So. Um, it's good for him to have these two games under his belt, um, but you got a big test next week, and you play South Carolina, uh, his first SEC opponent, and um, it's gonna be gonna be a fun one to
1: watch. I think we've talked about some version of this before, but you know Kirby Smart said after the UT Martin game of, "No, we didn't hold anything back offensively," and yet even those of us who are not former coaches and players, we sort of feel like when we look in on this. It does look different than what it typically looks like. I mean, Georgia scored 65 points in a national championship game. The version of the offense we've seen from Georgia the last two weeks certainly doesn't seem to look necessarily like that as someone who has a little bit more of an idea of what george is trying to achieve schematically and kind of what games like this sort of feel like i mean how do you describe the mentality from an offensive standpoint of what you want to show versus what you don't want to show and you know why it is sometimes whether even again on saturday another somewhat slow start for the offense like why do you think that perhaps is
4: yeah, I think what can also get lost in the what do you show, what do you not show, um, but I think that happens throughout football and across the country is a lot of offensive players, coaches, and staffs are trying to figure out what is our offensive identity. Mm-hmm. Who are we? Um, what can we you know, fall back on to, to get us through, to pull us across the finish line? Uh, what are we? Where, where's our identity? Are we a, you know, a throw team? You know, I brought perimeter team, get the ball in the perimeter. Are we, uh, you know, run and pound the ball down your throat and then throw a couple deep shots, um, you know, behind you? Um, there's just so many questions that are getting answered on every single play, um, even for the offensive coaching staff to figure out what can they counter their guys to do uh, and who can execute, you know, this and that play.
1: Do you have an opinion on what you think this Georgia team's offensive identity should be?
4: I think they're still figuring that out. I, I would love to say that they'll be able to uh, run the ball with physicality, um, but they, to me, I think they still have yet to, to prove that, and those guys up front to, to really um, just just take that personality on. Um, but I, I think uh, they're going to have to rely a lot on Carson and this, this uh, throwing game um, to, to bail him out a lot of times um, because I don't think they have that explosive back out of the backfield which is why Dylan uh, Bell went back there um to to give them those explosive runs um and to take care take care of uh, the business when he needs to get taken care
1: of How about the guy on the other side have you seen enough of Spencer Rattler to have much of an opinion on him because from where I'm sitting this is a guy coming out of high school you know goes to Oklahoma and had a ton of hype around him then probably didn't quite live up to that and now he's going in year two of being the South Carolina quarterback. And to me, Jake, it almost seems like if he's now kind of waited around long enough that I think he actually might be a little bit underrated. He's got a ton of experience. I think that experience gives him a chance to be pretty successful. Games like uh, you know Tennessee a year ago, Clemson, the end of the season, he was really playing a pretty high level of football for South Carolina at the end of last year. I think he's probably a pretty good quarterback, in other words. Do you have much of an opinion on Spencer Rattler?
4: Yeah, I mean – uh, First off, a very talented player, um, but I think you can uh, just about argue, which I think you are. Like he, he's starting to get into that dangerous category because you just don't know which Spencer Rattler is going to yeah. show up on each and every Saturday. You know, is it going to be the Spencer Rattler that's going to turn the ball over four times, or is it going to be the Spencer Rattler like the Tennessee game who throws for four hundred yards and four or five touchdowns? Um, so you just don't know, but uh, you definitely want to cover your bases so to speak on on defense and even on offense to make sure you're taking care of the ball uh because a guy like that can beat you um if you let him because he is capable of making yeah all the plays on football field that need to be made
1: did you get a chance to watch the Texas Alabama game on Saturday first of all an incredibly entertaining game but what do you make of what looks like a little bit of a change in the guard here Alabama maybe taking a step back and finally after a lot of years of a lot of hype maybe Texas really is a, a good team this time around
4: yeah, may, maybe they are. I, I think um, for anybody to go in uh, to Bryant-Denny Stadium and play the Alabama Crimson Tide and to beat them at home, uh, that's a really, really big deal. It doesn't matter which Alabama team they are, the Alabama of old, the Alabama of now, it doesn't matter. That's a that's a tough feat uh, and accomplishment to do. Uh, and they, they got it done. And they did it by, by double digits, too. Um, A.D. Mitchell played really well. Quinn Ewers played... I mean, very, very good. Um, you can tell that, that he's got some experience under his belt now uh, and is playing on a higher level. So um, what Alabama is, I don't know. Um, but uh, me and Drew Butler talked about it on the podcast last night. It just doesn't look like they have the guys uh, around the line of scrimmage, the offensive line, the defensive line, those game changers, those game wreckers, the difference makers. It just Maybe they, they just don't have those guys on the roster or, or and or – aren't playing well uh right now but um i think they have a lot of things to to figure and to find out about what their identity is you know do they need to to run the quarterback more or or just really figure out and, and get better at the the throwing game deeper down the field so a lot of questions to be answered i, I think the the college football world right now is wide open i think yeah. it's anybody to take
1: i want to ask you more about that here in a moment let me remind folks though this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily, and of course, you're getting ready for game day. You got your watch parties, you get your tailgates, all that kind of stuff. You want more time to enjoy the football season that you love, and perhaps more money to spend on the things that make football season so much fun. That's where the new membership opportunity from Kroger can be a big help for you. Here, I'm talking about Kroger Boost. You can try free right now for thirty days when you go to Kroger.com/boost to learn more about that. That's Kroger.com/boost, and then once you become a member you're saving big bucks because you're getting twice the fuel points every time you uh, visit. You're also getting a chance at free grocery delivery. So it's an amazingly convenient and really uh, beneficial membership program. Check out Kroger Boost online at kroger.com boost for more on that. So Jake, I think I kind of agree with you that it seems like this season perhaps provides the opportunity to be a little bit more wide open. Now, I think there's a part of me that still thinks that Georgia has a chance to show itself to still be far better than whoever the next best team is i think there's a chance we could still learn that about georgia but in terms of where the sec pecking order is right now we've already seen lsu lose we've already seen alabama lose south carolina's lost to north carolina uh texas a just lost to miami that the idea that the sec is a league is far better than the other power five leagues based on the early kind of non-conference results i don't think we can necessarily say that right now so so from that standpoint, at least, this is a little bit different vibe around the SEC, I think, than what we've seen the last couple of years.
4: I agree with you. I, I mean, personally, as a uh, as an SEC guy myself, I, I'm it kind of kind of hurts a little bit, you know, that you, you're not able to to you know parade that around that the SEC is just a, a better football conference right now because the proof's on the pudding right now. You know, South Carolina losing to North Carolina. Even Auburn, who went uh, yeah. over to Cal and play Cal, they they didn't play great. I th- they they got lucky and and came away with one. So ah, just to me, the the dominance right now just isn't there. Um, and and you mentioned it as well. I mean, Georgia hasn't really played anybody and got tested yet, so we don't know how good or, or not good they are. Um, I still think they're a great football team, but. I definitely think there's a lot of improvement across the board to be made.
1: Just out of curiosity, did your parents travel out to Berkeley? I heard that was quite a culture shock for a lot of the Auburn folks, very much entrenched in the SEC world. Berkeley's a little bit of a different kind of place. I heard there was a little bit of a culture shock out there, a little bit of a cultural divide, if you will, between some of the Pac-12 folks in Berkeley and those Auburn folks that traveled out there.
4: Yeah, yeah, they uh, they did travel out there. Uh, definitely need to give them a call and see how how it was um but uh talking to my brother they did he did say that uh the Auburn fans traveled well yeah um, and pretty pretty well represented out there
1: that's good to know Jake it's great to talk to you appreciate you being here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take best of luck as you continue uh your work and weekly preparations to be ready for whatever's next when it comes to your NFL career we're certainly excited for you there on that and we appreciate the uh insight into what's going to happen for Georgia against South Carolina on Saturday hope you get a chance to enjoy the game somewhere and we will look forward to getting a chance to talk to you very soon
4: Yeah, thank
1: you, Brandon. Appreciate you. Great stuff from Jake Fromm there, the former Georgia quarterback. Always enjoy that conversation. Speaking of enjoyable conversations, when you're hanging out with friends, one of the things that makes – those conversations are more enjoyable It's a chance to sit back and relax and enjoy a little bit of the finished long drink there too because right now not only do you have the four varieties of the finished long drink they sort of made famous the long drink traditional the blue can the grapefruit flavor the gin kick the long drink cranberry which so many of the folks in my neighborhood seem to love long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume we had that as part of our golden shoe a little earlier this week long drink zero no carbs no sugar i should probably uh, do a little bit more of that than i maybe sometimes do but the point is is that that those four varieties of the finished long drink, which has uh, been so enjoyable for us, now you get the brand new version for a limited time here in the Peach State. How about the peach flavored version of the finished long drink? So if you haven't tried that yet, go to the longdrink.com, put in your zip code, and you can find out where to pick some up today. And you can be enjoying for a tailgate party, for a get together, whatever you got going here as you head towards the fall. A little bit of finished long drink and the peach flavored version of the finished long drink. That sounds perfect for the fall. So make sure you check that out online. The long drink. Dot com and speaking of a golden shoe we did give out a finished long drink themed golden shoe the other day we have a very fun golden shoe to give you here in the spirit of georgia playing south carolina on saturday i'll show you this on the screen bill baker sent this to me he says for chicken week meaning the game against south carolina i humbly submit an entry for golden shoe award consideration he says i pass by this gravel dead end road every day in lake wiley south carolina And what would be an appropriate name for a gravel, dead-end road? How about Spurrier Court? Now, I don't believe it's actually named after the former South Carolina coach, but when you think about how things have kind of gone for Spurrier as of late, his alma mater, Florida, they're not doing very well. Steve's obviously miserable about that. Georgia's on top of the college football world. going to beat the team that he used to coach badly on South Carolina there as well. And don't forget, it was a bad uh, victory for Georgia against South Carolina that ran Spurrier out of coaching back in 2015. So all of that very appropriate golden shoe award hashtag hashtag golden shoe hashtag go for three and 23 hashtag go dogs all of that from Bill Baker a well-earned golden shoe going his direction and speaking of the lousy stinking gators how about a gator hater countdown 45 days from now Georgia back in Jacksonville beating Florida again boy that's fun to think about and a great way to close us out today we'll see you tomorrow Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Past Management.